Hey everyone, it's me, Lauren, your creative mentor, and I have another episode for you this week where I am interviewing other creatives. I'm actually interviewing three today. And uh, it's very cool because maybe instead of diving deep into like what their career path was, is, and will be, we talk a little bit about how finding your people at work can help you survive a really terrible work environment. And we talk about toxic work environments because that's where we all met. That's what we all went through together. And I think it's a very good example of the real world that does exist. I hope it's not a situation you find yourself in, but it is one you might. And so I think that there's a lot of value in hearing how we kind of worked through that, how these toxic traits from this job carried their way through to other jobs that we had after we separated and it's a really great example of like creating your own community and how we didn't even like set out to find each other but now we do and I literally talk to these women every single day we have a discord we we help each other we talk we visit each other it's really awesome and it's not something I ever thought I would set out to like find it just found me And so I think it's just a really good example, like our discussion of how we processed being in a toxic work environment together in the moment, how we processed it afterward, how it affected us as we kept continuing through our careers. And you have four perspectives to listen to. And there's this one like HR disaster (laughs) that happened to me. I laugh now because it's easy to look back on and laugh at, but at the time it was very tough. And so it's kind of the revolving catalyst of everything that we talk about. But I think these perspectives will be very helpful for all of you because, again, I really hope you don't find yourself in a situation like this. But it also goes to show you can find a silver lining anywhere. And I'm just so excited for you to, like, listen to all of us just, like, laugh and reflect. And it's been very interesting to, like, revisit this situation because we all haven't talked about it in a while. So without further ado... Here you are. Yeah, so I'm a graphic designer. Um, I do a lot of kind of everything, which is great. It's the first time that I haven't really had to focus just on like PDFs over and over. Or at like my last job, I did mostly email. I really like getting to do everything. We're, we're doing microsites recently, and I'm really enjoying that. So Nice. Yeah. And Carissa, what about you? Um, yeah, so I have a fancy title now. Um, no, I it's, uh, my title is the Director of Creative Services, which really is just a fancy title for what I do. Um, I work on digital communications, um, specifically email and um, app messaging, like the inbox messages that apps send you. So that's what, that's what I do now. Um, but I also have a graphic design degree stuff, did all that, and just have mainly been focusing on digital things. And what about you, Stephanie? Um, right now, I have two roles. I am a content specialist um, and also quality assurance. So I'm sort of like half copywriter, half grammar police. Um, I originally went to school to be an English teacher, and that didn't pan out because of reasons. Um, so I fell back on my writing, and I've kind of been uh, writing professionally for nine years now. Wow, nice. Mm-hmm. And we all know each other because we worked at a really awesome company together. The bad place. <laughs> we'll call it the bad place. 
That's it. I like it. So I I don't even know where to begin other than I guess like how we kind of ended up at the bad place. Um, I mean, my audience kind of knows a little bit. I L.A. kicked my ass out of it. So I needed to work <laughs> anywhere. And to be quite frank, like our company we all met at had every red flag and I knew better. But I took it anyway because I didn't really have a lot of choice. And it panned out pretty much exactly how I thought it would. But what I didn't expect was to like connect with all of you for literally the rest of my life. We talk every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who wants to go first, but how did you get to the garbage place? I'll go first. I was working customer service. I went and followed my dreams and got my degree in film. Um, and, you know... Uh, living in Michigan, we had we had a nice tax break and incentive here for film, um, but lovely Governor Snyder got rid of it like as soon as I graduated. So, um, you know, and I hadn't really saved money because I paid for my college on my own dime. So, I worked a lot of customer service. I did do some production assistant work, which was great. I got to meet some really great people, um, and. Basically, I ended up at the bad place because I hated customer service. Um, my my now husband, we were just dating back then, was working at this company. I actually met the guy that ended up being our boss at a, a company party. And uh, I gave him some sass and he liked it. So I got a job just kind of doing, uh, I was kind of like a catch-all for whatever they needed done, um, which was not fun, but you know, it got me into an office situation instead of customer service. And then um, the the marketing team kind of switched up because my husband was actually running the marketing team at the time. He left and someone else took over and they knew I wanted to get into design. I had experience in Photoshop and with uh, social media because of my music blog that I was entrenched in at the time. And so I made the transition over and then, you know, was there way too long so (laughs) but I got to meet all you guys if I hadn't been there as long as I was I wouldn't have met you guys and really I don't know it's we had a lot of fun and like I really like having you guys so it was good it was worth it it was worth it yeah it was definitely fun like while we all had to sit there dressed professionally for no reason (laughs) because you can't get work done if you're comfortable literally he said that you can't you can't get good work done if you're comfortable um so i graduated and i'd been applying for jobs for like i don't know like six or eight months and i just hadn't found anything um and then i was like oh here's this internship making the least amount of money i'd ever made in my life and i was like besides when i was in high school and i was like okay i'll just take this job so i really took the job because i was sick of applying for things and i was like let me just take this job i gave myself like a three-month limit of not applying for a single job and then after that three months i would start applying again so i started working there i met jessica um she was like the only really the only cool part uh i got some other of my friends hired so like our department was fun like we had a blast but the rest of the environment was honestly one of the worst places i'd ever worked at but a lot of cool people came out of there um especially since 
the fact that I didn't work with either Lauren or with Stephanie, but we're this close. And it really was Jessica brought everyone together and was like, hey, we should all be friends. And we were like, okay. So yeah, that was, that was the bad place. <laughs> and yeah, I made it out. I was there five months and I was, and I was gone. And it was, it was great. <laughs> the shortest track record of us all. <laughs> For sure. In and out. In and out. I knew I had a, I had a timeline and I met that timeline. I gave myself six months and I made it out within the six months. So I, I went to college for teaching, like I said, and when that didn't pan out, I fell back on my writing and I was like, I'm just going to kind of follow the breadcrumbs of where that leads me. Um, so just prior to working at the bad place, I was at this startup and the, the guy just long story short, ghosted me, like just stopped messaging me. And so I was like, I think I'm let go. I don't know. Um, and so I was technically unemployed for like eight months and I was kind of working under the table at this place, this, this other place. Um, and yes, uh, the bad place was basically like, I told myself, if I don't get this job, I'm done with writing. I think it's a sign from the universe that I should give it up. I'm going to just, I'll go back to freaking Kroger. Um, so really the bad place was like the last branch of the tree that I grabbed before I hit the ground. Um, but yeah, I was there for about four and a half years and uh, I met Jessica first. Um, I think we bonded over a cat meme that I sent one day <laughs> and then Lauren came on and uh, yeah, I met Carissa through Jessica. Oh man. So like, but really though, like we just kind of used um, the bad place as a stepping stone. But I also like when I was there, I didn't necessarily feel like trapped. I just knew I was like, man, this ain't the vibe, my guy. <laughs> and like, and I knew like, I knew I had like maybe a year because I was like trying to figure out where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And amazingly, like I had what was it two hr snafus i was the one who was always like getting all wild <laughs> over there like getting everyone in trouble or whatever oh man what was one of them was diwali diwali i can't i can't just enjoy <laughs> diwali now it's just forever ruined just because forever. of the the event <laughs> At least there was an HR department there when you were there, because there wasn't when I started, and there wasn't when Carissa was there. It was just the Wild West. It was. Here's a question, because I, I genuinely don't know. Um, so when I was there dealing with the HR and the and listeners, what happened was essentially our boss um, like pushed a religious ceremony on me at work where I was not interested in participating. I didn't mind that it was like the culture of whatever, mm -hmm. but I had a problem with people physically yanking me from my desk to go partake in a prayer for a religion, a culture I, I wasn't a part of. And I typically don't have an issue with that, but I am in the workplace and that was my boundary and no one was respecting that. And I just voiced the issue, kinda. And the CEO of our company pulled me in his office and told me he was deeply offended that I didn't want to attend his party. And so I decided to make him as uncomfortable as I was and just burst into tears and made a big scene. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and HR was standing, the woman who did HR was standing next to me the entire time it was happening and doing nothing knowing full well it's a problem but i guess just no one had voiced concern before but they hadn't met me so <laughs> um i felt like that was a very useless exercise personally and it's like the third time in my career hr just did a big fat nothing for something i knew was wrong so since you guys mentioned it was like the wild west before that like I don't know if, like, asking do you have any stories is helpful, but, like, in comparison, like, I feel like HR just did me wrong and didn't help me, like... Yeah. What did it... How did... What? I feel like the only difference was there wasn't someone there to stand awkwardly knowing that it was inappropriate and not saying anything. How the bad place has never... And maybe they have been, I guess I don't know. How they have never been sued is beyond me, because that... It wasn't a one-time occurrence that happened. There were things there that happened that, that weren't legal. <laughs> I would say while I was there, I didn't know how to not participate. And it was like my first like, you know, job in my field. And I was like, all right, well, we're just going to go along with this and like see what happens and not like raise a problem or anything. So I just went along with it. But I would say my favorite thing that I like to talk about from there is one day we were, it was like a Friday and we're all scrambling to get something done. And the CEO of the company comes over and like, won't leave us alone. Like all of us are like, we have deadlines. Michael was, Scott like, moment. Yeah. Michael Scott, he was notorious <laughs> for like doing this. And we were like, oh my God, we have so much to do. And one of um, like our manager was like, oh, do you want some candy? Cause he was like laying on the floor, like throwing a tantrum like like pounding the ground and she pulled out some candy to distract him and he she gave him this candy with the understanding that he had to go back to his office and so she gave him this candy he got off the ground and left us alone so that we could work and that is a pretty average day there yeah. um also we worked with his wife and they would like have fights all the time like in our department like over us um mm -hmm. Yeah, wild, definitely the Wild West. Uh, have never had that experience again in my life. Um, hope to never ever experience it again. But those are those are probably the best stories for me that came out of it. The day I interviewed um, the CEO, so, or actually it was the second interview with the CEO, and uh, we were just making small talk, and he said something like. Uh, oh, is your drive here okay? And I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, oh yeah, I actually live right down the street, which I did at the time. I lived like a quarter mile from the office. And then later on in the, in the discussion, we were talking about salary. And he said, well, I know it doesn't pay much, but um, you, know, you won't spend a lot of gas money because you obviously live close. And I found out after the fact that was illegal, but I was like, in my early 20s and I really needed a big girl full-time job. So I just kind of bit the bullet. Um, that's the first story that comes to mind. And then there's like, there's so many different horror stories that come to mind. There's so, so much that I just pushed down. Like just don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. blocked it out. Trauma, trauma responses, all of us <laughs> pushing it down every, every time we try to think about something. Yeah. We all trauma bonded. They didn't. They didn't take responsibility for the issues that were there. 
-hmm. that were their issues, things that they caused. They just kind of blamed it on, well, they just weren't a good fit or, mm -hmm. you know, I was literally told once, if you don't, if you don't like it, just find a new job. Well, like, I think that brings up a good point. Like, we can kind of share our cartoon experience of, like, working here. And, like, that's all fun and dandy. But, like, Carissa, I think you brought up a really good point. Like, you just, like, went along with it because, like, what even is happening? And yeah. I also think especially as women in the workforce, like, that's our default. Like, I'm, I know I'm uncomfortable, but I'm not uncomfortable enough mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna kind of like keep the peace and move forward and just like go with this flow even because i'm frozen yeah. but it's not scary enough or dangerous enough and honestly like with the whole stupid diwali thing like when i was brought into the ceo's office and he confronted me about like keeping my boundary I like I was upset and I did want to cry and I'm an adult in an adult's office and I'm just like this is stupid and I don't know what to do and that's why I went you know what I'm so uncomfortable what makes men uncomfortable crying women here I go like I just came up with that on that and then like I so appreciate though at that time like we had the first art director I'd ever met and like he said grown up. yeah a real adult <laughs> who knows how to job yeah. um but the thing that echoed the most to me during that whole awful situation was i've heard a lot of things today but it doesn't really matter who says what because what matters is you are uncomfortable and that's exactly what he said because i wrote it down <laughs> <laughs> and that was like the first time in my adult career life at like 26 years old anybody above me ever validated that my boundaries were worth keeping and every job before that I never really held boundaries very well I followed like the art school you just do what you do and your time is like you're a time slave to your job and like this particular job, I was like, low stakes. I'm only here till I'm gone. And <laughs> then it was just this cartoon land. Yeah. And I just very much appreciated that. And so like, I think there's a lot to be said for like how the environment we all worked in collectively like affected us over time because that was like a real, like working at this place for me, was like a real like stake in the ground of I'm a qualified worker. I don't deserve this treatment and these things in this place. And just because you say you have an HR department doesn't mean that anyone is any safer here. This sucks. And so I don't know like I don't know if any of you would be able to articulate something like that. Now that we've all moved on, we see the grass can be green or whatever. So I don't know, like, if you had any, like, profound things. Like, for me, working there was really validating that I'm the most important <laughs> every day all the time. Because I didn't know I didn't feel that before. That yeah. place made me feel like such garbage. I was like, fuck this fuck this it's it's two it's two other things you can take from that one no one is really gonna you can't trust that anyone will advocate for you but yourself at mm -hmm. least in your professional life 
you know, you if you want the promotion, you have to kind of go after it and prove that you deserve it. If you are have boundaries, you have to set them and you have to keep them. And that's definitely something the bad place, you know, made very, very clear, especially in your case, Lauren, with where you had someone that should be saying, no, this is, you know, HR, no, you can't do this. And they just stood there. And the other thing being that sometimes if you're told something enough, you kind of start to believe it. So I think that's another thing that a toxic work environment like that yeah. has, because that wasn't, that's, I actually worked at a place after that where it started out great and then they changed who my bosses were and it became a very toxic work environment. And something to know about that is if you're constantly made to feel like you're worthless or your work isn't good enough or your opinion doesn't matter, like you can only feel that way for so long before you start to actually believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to kind of really add, like, know that you have to advocate for yourself. And if, if you're seeing red flags that they are not going to respect your boundaries, you need to get out of there. That's, you got to get, get an exit strategy and Mm -hmm. understanding that you have worth, you should know your worth. And if you're made to feel like you aren't worth that, then that is also a red flag and you need to figure out how to get there. Because I don't think people think, I don't people realize how much a toxic work environment takes out of you, mm-hmm. out of your personal life, especially. <laughs> I hated going to work, but I also looked forward to going to work to get to hang out with you guys. Mm-hmm. And like, we were very much supporters of one another. And um, at my next job, I didn't have another designer that I worked with regularly. So I really missed that. And the toxic work environment took a bigger toll on me then. Because when I came in with you guys, like, let's, let's look at each other's portfolios, like, let's work together to get out of this situation. And I think that's super important, especially in a toxic work environment. I feel like it took me a lot of tries to like be able to realize what I didn't like in, you know, what I would tolerate or like what I was going for. But I would say coming from, uh, you know, the bad place, uh, I really took like the friendships that I made from there and, you know, have continued those. It's been like eight years. I feel like since Jessica and I work together, so and we, we still talk every day. So like those things I've taken and I have like another work friend that I met at my next job and we haven't worked together in like six and a half years and we still also talk every single day. So it's what you take from those places. And um, I would say my biggest takeaway from there and then other jobs is I realize what I will deal with and what I won't deal with. And once those lines are crossed, that was it. And I realized, hey, what is my, like Jessica said, what is my exit out of here? And I have never been afraid from that point to take an exit. And thankfully, since then, when I was like, oh, this is it, I've gone to better places where I've learned more things or, you know, gotten more experience and then been able to take that and be like, yeah, this is my line. See you later. And unfortunately, what happens too, that was like a little bit. And then when you get to that line, um, you don't, you stop going above and beyond. You can't do it. You really do. You get to that line because it's, it's taking such a toll on you. Um, two places after the bad place, I was expected to work 50 hours a week. I made like no money. And if you were not there for those 50 hours and you weren't at your desk on time, you got 
you got in trouble. And it was like very much like, uh, I feel like I went backwards and I had someone that was like on me all the time. Like, Oh, you're, you, what'd you leave your desk for? And like, I was a salaried employee expected to work 50 hours and being told like I wasn't allowed to leave my desk or I couldn't be one minute late or like any of those things because that that's just how that environment was and HR there for such a big company there's 3,000 employees HR definitely cared nothing they were like they were there for the company that's what they're there they're really not there for you and uh once you kind of realize that the best advice I have is just receipts every single thing has to be unfortunately like you have to have a receipt for it so if you go to a meeting with your boss and you you feel like oh the vibe's off from that follow up in an email be like hey this is what we talked about confirm those things make sure you have your information because you never know what's going to happen and you have to protect yourself because your company really doesn't give a fuck about you and you kind of have to go in that in with that you know not attitude but with that vibe like yeah you're here to make money do the work while you're doing it. And when you don't enjoy the work anymore, what are you going to do next? Um, are you going to find a new job? Like whatever it is, just always keep that in mind and really worry about yourself. That That's all you can do because your company isn't going to worry about you. The only person that's going to worry about you is yourself and the work that you do and what you take from there, because you know, that's, that's what it is. It's just a job. There's always another job out there. Even if you have to go, back and work in a restaurant, which is honestly one, the jobs, two jobs after the bad place, that's where I was. I was getting ready to quit and go work back in a restaurant with a college degree. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So just, you know, have some plans and worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess my big takeaway from the bad place, well, I should qualify this. So uh, I had some like childhood trauma that kind of revolved around like job situations and like financial stability so like that sort of set the stage for me so then when I was in the bad place it was like it was almost like growing up like how you know if if you grow up in an abusive household you will seek out abusive partners because that's like what your normal is so like when I was at the bad place a lot of the time I was just like well you know like I can't I can't not have a job like if I decide to quit and look for something else, then I'm going to be like a piece of shit, you know, because I'm going to be not working. And so like getting out of the bad place and looking back, it really felt like an abusive relationship where it just was like, I wasn't, my boundaries weren't respected. I wasn't treated well. Um, And also because it was the first big full-time job I'd had out of school, it was like, it felt extra scary to leave that, you know, like, what if I don't find anything else, you know? And then you start like, looking inward and be like, I'm not good enough. No one's going to hire me like all that catastrophizing. And then you get out and I look back, I'm like, no, like you said, Carissa, there's always another job. It's just, that was a shit show job. Uh And a lot of places aren't like that, but in the moment it feels so like, like you're stuck there. Um, So yeah, that, I guess that's my hot take is it, it just really have a lot of parallels with an abusive relationship, Uh honestly. And to, like, kind of build off of that, like, I kind of, like, Diwali is really the biggest story we all, like, watched. It It was the car crash in front of all of us. It was really garbage. But, like, I was reflecting on this pretty recently because I I was put in a position pretty recently to essentially, like, call on HR for something. And 
I was like talking to my manager about like this thing and I really like it it really struck me for what feels like the first time like acknowledging it but like I've had such bad like interactions where HR was supposed to quote unquote be there because that is how it's sold to employees for the most part mm-hmm. that um a situation where like like you need hr for like i needed to do this <laughs> i was like i don't want to i don't want to do this i don't want to report this i don't want to talk about it because what's going to happen is i'm going to get in trouble because that's mm-hmm. all that's ever happened to me and like i'm i'm not thinking about the bigger picture i'm not thinking about how this could be or end up or whatever i as a worker for now the rest of my career i'm always going to be like if there's a really big problem, it's my, it's my problem. Mm-hmm. And that can, that can make the boundary that we all set. That's like, if you cross this, I'm out. Mm-hmm. That makes that a lot closer than it needs to be to me, which I think companies should be really scared of personally, mm-hmm. but like, it just like really clicked in my head. Like kind of recently I was like, wow, like th- we're out here tr- being like dating is so hard blah 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 and it's like your work does that and i don't think anyone really says that and like we've all talked about it so i i don't know like how what you have carried with you from other jobs because like if i was younger and i kind of understood like this sucks and if you can find a way to wash it through you so you don't carry this around from quote unquote relationship to relationship mm-hmm. I think I would be a lot less like tightly wound about certain things when I go to work. And so I don't know if you guys had anything of your own like that you were willing to share. Yeah, at my last job, uh, we had a reorg. Uh, So I was hired in with um, a boss who I loved. She was amazing. She wasn't, uh, she didn't have a design background, but she was great. She um, listened to me. We had weekly one-on-ones. She asked me, you know, what's your workload look like? What can I help you with? Like, I felt very advocated for and very, like, she would protect me and and make sure that I would have the best environment to do my best work. And then we had a reorg and we got a new CMO and this person who I rarely worked with, um, but in the few interactions that I had with, uh, toxic, very toxic. And so this person and another person got put in charge of me and two of my co- my fellow coworkers. And immediately we weren't happy about it. So we went to the new CMO, we went in and it wasn't like a complaint fest. In my opinion, I handled it very professionally. Here's ex- experiences I've had with this person. Um, here's why I don't think working with them is going to work. And like the other team that I got moved off of had, we had another designer now and we had like other creative people over there. So it made more sense for me to be over there. And I was essentially told what I wanted to hear. And then I didn't hear anything about it for a while. So then more events started happening where I was basically told that I, you know, I was worthless and, and that like, at one point, one of us was told that we would never be able to, to, we were our contractors. We were never going to be brought on full time there because um, we weren't good enough. Essentially, it, it was a very toxic work environment, and so we brought these to the CMO. And again, 
told, okay, you know, let me see what I can do. And then nothing. And in fact, those things, it was clear that the person that we complained about had been told. Uh, they straight up told us, like, I, I know what you said about me. Um, so I got laid off at the beginning of the pandemic from that job. And honestly, as scary as it was to be unemployed in that situation, I, I felt relieved just because I didn't have to be in that toxic environment anymore. <laughs> and now I'm with uh, a company and my boss is again, very great. I meet with her regularly. We talk about what I need. Um, I feel comfortable going to her, but we've kind of had this transition where there's a lot going on. So it's very overwhelming. And I find it hard to, to say anything, even knowing like, even feeling like I can go to my boss. I have, I can feel it because I have that past experience where I advocated for myself. I did everything by the book and it, it, it not only didn't get fixed, but it got worse. And I like, so I can hear that little voice in my head that says, what's the point? like nothing's going to change or like, you know, that, that little voice is like, you don't matter. Like just shut up, be grateful. You have a job now. Um, and so that is, it's really hard to overcome. Um, and like, it's, I'm getting better at it, but I'm still having to work at it. Well, like it kind of feels like silly when you know too, cause like I know, and I'm just like, but Lauren, it's going to blow up in your face. Don't bother. It's like, no, that's, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> I don't believe that, but I'm going to say it. That's not necessarily like, ugh. and it's, uh, it sucks. <laughs> it really does. You don't like, you don't realize sometimes how much it's affected you. You're thinking it's just a job. Yeah. I hate it. You know, but then you get home and you don't do anything because, or you you miss things that you were excited about because it just, you just feel like so drained by having to deal with that situation. And again, like at the bad place, it wasn't, it didn't feel as bad because I had you guys. And I think mm -hmm. really like finding people that you can relate to and that like we like we legit met up outside of work and went over our resumes and like we'd work on our portfolios at work because there wasn't a ton to do. They didn't need all of us, it turns out. But um, it was much easier having that like what I ended up doing it before because I was looking for a new job is I was just take I was using my vacation to job hunt. Mm -hmm because doing it while I was working was, it was too much. It like job hunting is like a whole other job. So I was just using my vacation to get out of there. And sometimes like, it sucks that you have to do that, but sometimes it's worth it just to get out of that situation. My biggest thing that I've learned after working like in a professional field is, um, I would, I would say something that I didn't like looking back, that I, like reflecting over what I've done, uh, when you are afraid to ask your boss a question because you don't know how the reaction is going to be, that right there is your biggest sign. And it's a sign. Like I just didn't, I didn't realize for a long time, like how much I was, how much time I was spending trying to do everything, but ask them a question. And I'm like, man, like thinking back on like, I did all of these 50 things so that I didn't have to go was like, well, what kind of mood are they going to be in? Are they going to be like, oh, you're bothering me? Or like, is this going to happen? And if that is how you're feeling with your boss, 
you have to leave. You, you can't, you can't do that to yourself. Like that right there is your sign that it is so, it's affecting you so much that you're afraid to even ask a question. Like we're adults. And unfortunately, sometimes you have bosses that make you feel that way. And that's when you really start doubting. And it just leads to a bunch of other issues that you won't really see until you leave. And, and honestly, some workplaces really do cause you to have like PTSD that you take with you. Like we all have that experience from, you know, the same place, but also other places. And you will always feel that way. And it's really hard, unfortunately, to overcome it. But once you get, I would say now, like my company I'm at now, it's the best company I've worked for. I'm doing completely different stuff than I had before, but I've never once felt like I couldn't ask a question. And being told in meetings by a boss in the past, like, don't ask questions. Like, you're not allowed to talk. I was told that. So it's, it's, it just kind of stayed with me for a more than I longer than I thought. And I was afraid to be like, Oh no, like I know what I'm talking about. I have this in this experience. I should be talking in this. And it took me a while to realize that I was doing that because I'm naturally a more introverted person, which also feeds into that. But yeah, if you get to that point where you can't ask a question, it's, it's, it's too late. Like you, you honestly should be like, can I leave here tomorrow and go work at target and pay my bills while I focus on where I'm going next? Because I mean, you, you can always leave. You really can, you can leave. And if someone ever asks like, well, why did you leave that way? Just be like, listen, that wasn't working for me. There was no growth there. I decided for my mental health, this is what I needed to do so that I could focus on where I saw myself next. And, you know, just put that on your resume or do, do whatever you got to do. But um, yeah, don't be afraid to leave. I've left several places where I was just like, well, either some with an exit plan, some without. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> <it happens. laughs> yeah, my response is similar in, in terms of like a condition, like anxiety response. So at the bad place, like one of my bosses, he wasn't a bad boss. Like he wasn't like a total terror, but he was very hot and cold. So sometimes he would ask you a question and you'd be like, here's the response. And it was like, okay, thank you. And then other times he would ask you a question and then you'd respond and he'd be like, oh my God, Barbara. And so anytime it got to a point where like, anytime he would Skype me, I would like immediately get a little anxious. Like, like, what's the hidden agenda? Why is he asking for this? And some, the really fucked up part is sometimes he would, he had a secret agenda. Like he would ask me a question and like, it was like a fucking prosecution attorney or something. And he was going to like, be like, well, what you said doesn't corroborate what was done on this project, blah, blah, blah. So now even in my new job, when my boss asked me a question, like, how much time would you say it took you to proof that document? Logically, I know that he's just wondering because we have to log our times for projects, but there's still a part of my brain that's like, why is he asking that? Did I spend too much time on that? Did I not spend enough time? Is he going to ask, like, what were you doing with that hour of your day? Did it really take you an hour to do that? And it it's gotten better, but it's taken like a lot of like literal therapy to, to get through that. And 
yeah, like it's, it's definitely better, but it's one of those things where I never realized how much that, that sort of conditioning impacted me until I got out of this place. Mm -hmm. But at one point there was another coworker that like, I think had messaged you and said like, this boss is talking to me the way he talks to Stephanie. So like how he interacted with me individually became like a trope in the workplace. And that was really like, when I found that out, it was so like, like just devastating. Like, why is he like extra disrespect? Like, I thought it was just me. Mm -hmm. And then like hearing that other people were noticing that he was like, especially disrespectful to me. It honestly got so bad that for a while, for, for a very long time, I, I stopped wearing like makeup and jewelry because in my brain, I was like, I don't want to do anything. And, and by the way, it wasn't that he was like sexually harassing me or anything, but like, I didn't want to do anything at all to draw any sort of extra attention to myself. And he sat literally right behind me. So he was like literally looking over my shoulder at times and and looking back, I'm just like, why did I put up with that for so long? Well, like, that's, I think that's kind of what I mean by, like, you just become this certain kind of worker. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I've had a boss shake papers in my face and scream at me. And I've had a boss patronize the shit out of me, even though I was the best salesperson in the studio. And uh, like, I would tell people like, you can't talk to me like that. I don't care if I'm 18. I don't care if I'm 22. I don't care if I'm 26. I don't care if I'm 29. You can't talk to me like this. I have to be here all fucking day like you do. Like you can't talk to me like this. And then like, I really like understood that about me though, when I got to the bad place because I was like, Diwali, no, thank you. Go off, have fun now you're pulling me out and there's like a shaman here and i have work to do what is this i don't want to do this i'm i'm at work i'm at work mm -hmm. i'm not at a party i'm not at my friend's house i'm at work and that i just honestly diwali was like a moment in my life but like that's when i was like i i stand for this i won't stand for that and i didn't really yeah. notice that until after the bad place like we're all kind of saying you know, i think we all t took it differently you know mm -hmm. we all are fine we're still figuring out like we're talking like we know like how this works <laughs> like we're figuring this out as we go but you know i think a lot of uh, environments like this really bother me and get me really passionate though because it is the number one way to get people and I think especially like women people of color queer people people who aren't straight or white it's the number one way to get them out of the design industry and that is a fucking bummer man and I like it's because people who don't do what we do treat us like that and that sucks I feel like a, a lot of times being like a creative person, we really do get treated like anyone could do this. Like I will never forget when at the bad place, uh, someone was like, oh, let me just do it. I can just get on there and do do all of this. And they were like, here you go, here's the program, like try it out. But that's not it. Like, you know, one thing that we have to think about is we went to school for this or we did the work, the education, like we have the background for this and you do know what you're doing. Like you can't let someone be like, oh, da 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 da. Like you, you don't know this or you don't know like whatever it is. But they hired you for a reason. 
They hire you because honestly, you do the work or you know what you're talking about and you have to remember that. And you have to keep that with yourself, with like what you do, especially when you start doubting yourself, that is, it's the worst. And you're like, you know, you really get a little bit of like, am I, am I am, I am uh, an imposter here? Like, do I really deserve to be here? Am I really do this? Yeah, you do. You know what you're doing. You just have, or you're working in a company or you're working with people who their only goal, honestly, is like, they are so miserable. A lot of times that they have to make you miserable. And that's what I've experienced. And I I think a lot of it too is I watched my mom when she was working and she was the most caring person would go out of her way to help everyone. And these people remember that. And her boss was the worst to her. The worst person acted like my mom could do no, nothing right. But when my mom got sick, I would we'd be in the store and these people would come up and be like, oh, how's how's your mom doing? Your mom like changed my life. My mom, your mom did this. And I think about like how my mom was just just had the worst time there because of her managers. But all the people that my mom was helping, they didn't have that perspective. And they just think about how much of a difference my mom made. So I just think about that and like when I come to my work or when I talk about things that I do know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, I've put these work, I've put this work in and I'm not going to let anyone tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's kind of what I've had to realize um, is how I talk about my stuff and that I do, I do know, I know it. And I'm supposed to be the voice in the room uh, that's going to stand up for like, for what I know. And I'm not going to let anyone pass my certain boundaries that I've set for myself because once you do, they're just going to keep doing it over and over again. And then, then from there you're stuck. And I, I don't want to be stuck ever again. Amen, man. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, something while we were all talking, I just kind of like jotted down real quick. What did you expect working to be like just going in versus how you found it to be? I guess more straightforward. Like it's it's hard as a creative because like I feel so many other jobs, it's a clear start, a clear finish. You know, when you start a project, you know, when you finish a project and it is not like that creatively. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you have to go back and reiterate or change something or it's, it's ever kind of evolving. There's never really a clear start and finish sometimes and because we work in subjectivity it's like like your boss might love your work but then the person above them that has to approve it might not like it or like hey this work is great um but you know it's not it doesn't fit for this and i think having to adjust to that to not take things personally is like not something i expected but like you really kind of have to separate yourself from your work. And I think, especially in our country, there's so much put on like what you do as part of who you are. And like, it's not really like I, I'm a graphic designer and I work in at like a tech company, but like, that's not really who I am. I'm a movie nerd who watches way too much TV and TikTok and listens to a lot of music. And like, what I do is just like, that facilitates the other things. Work not being so much about who I am is, is like, it was a big surprise because I think it's so ingrained in like our society is so important what you do and where you work. But really, I mean, for me, it pays the bills and understanding that work isn't 
the end all be all. It doesn't have to be so important, really. You don't have to put so wrap so much of yourself into it. I like that about not taking things personal. I I feel like that's something that I also had to learn that has served me since then is you know, when you're in art school, you put your stuff up there and everyone's talking about it and it's kind of supposed to speak for itself and people are just supposed to get it. That's what I always felt like how work was going to be like, people are going to get what you're doing, but it's not how it is. Like it, it really isn't. You have to put the work in to explain why you did something because people can't just look at it and be like, oh yeah, I get that. No, that's, that's not the real world. The real world is you have to be able to talk about what you do so that anyone can understand it. And that honestly was something I wasn't prepared for in school for someone to be like, for, for it to be that way. And I, once I learned that and I learned how to talk about what I was doing, the difference in the difference, it was like night and day for sure. It was, it was just like made my, made my life easier because I realized how to talk about my work. And prior to that, I just been like, here you go. This is it. I'm not doing, you know, and then changes and changes and changes and changes. And I'd be like, this is the worst. But yeah, like, like Jessica said too, you can't take it personally because again, you're not doing this work for yourself. You're doing it for a paycheck for a company who has different goals than I have. So that's, that's what I'm there for. I am there to meet the goals that my company has. Do I get to do fun stuff while I'm doing it? A lot of times you do, but sometimes you got to do stuff that you don't want to do that really sucks, but then you get to do fun stuff again. So, um, and it, it pays for the dumb stuff I get to do outside. Of so <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. I feel similar, to, similarly to you two. Um, I guess the big thing that comes up and answer to the question is like, you know, like when you're, I didn't go to art school, I was with a bunch of other English geeks, but like when you write something creative, you're going to critiqued by other creatives. So a lot, I mean, there's always going to be like some idiot where you're like, I don't give a shit what you say, but like for the most part, it's like valid criticism. Um, but then like the workplace, it's almost like, it would be like if the English department was like, okay, today we're going to have the business school come in and critique your writing. These people who have no idea how to form a fucking coherent sentence. <laughs> so, so getting like, I don't know if pride is the right, the right word, but like accepting the fact that sometimes you have to really bite your tongue and be like, yes, that headline that you with the business degree thought of is perfect. And like being like, I'm here for my paycheck and I'm done. <laughs> They're paying me to agree with this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my witty yeah. remarks for like at home kind of thing. Is that what you gotta do? Like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna keep this for later and laugh about it with my friends, which is what we all do together. Yeah. Oh, like, 100%. that font and that those color, that purple and yellow that you wanted together. Oh, it looks great. Right. Yeah, remember, remember some of the stuff we had to do when you got into the golden ratio, and we had to do that, that, and like there was that website he sent us to that looked like it was built in GeoCities, nineteen ninety-eight. Use this as as a place to learn about design to a bunch of designers, and it happens. It'll happen. It will. You'll get, you'll get sent to like. Uh, just look at this great design and you're like, oh, like it doesn't even look like student work. What is, did your nephew, did your grandson do this? 
but like it, that's the thing about like working for a company is just it's client work. It is. They're your client. You're hired for to do whatever job. And sometimes it's awful PDFs and you're telling them, look, we shouldn't be doing this. This is outdated. And that's, they don't care. They just want to check the box and you can advocate it, advocate for something better. And when that doesn't work out, you just go, okay, well, I'm going to devote my energy to finding a new job. Then I'll put in the exact amount of energy I have to here to get my job done so I don't get in trouble. And I will find some place new that will appreciate the knowledge that I have. Or you'll get a new project and you can be like, oh, that project, that was in the past. It's above me and I, I don't go back to it. And you have projects like that. There's projects you'll be like, oh yeah, no, don't talk. I don't talk about it. Talk about it. About it. It's gone. Uh, I never want to see it again. Um, and just, you know, those projects are fine. It happens and that's how I've treated them. Just, it's fine. I will say that as frustrating and terrible as it is in the moment, it is usually funny later. <laughs> but I love what you said, Stephanie. I get paid to agree with this guy, okay? <laughs> yeah, essentially that's part of your job. Like at least now we had a lot of damage from the bad place, but like we can joke about it now. <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. talk about it and it's ridiculous you tell stories and people are like no you yeah no it was literally like working in an episode of the office but it you know it's not funny when you work there <laughs> i was telling my like current set of coworkers i've had for a few years now i'll pepper in a bad place story here and there i really don't talk about it a lot and they just go you're making that up like, no I'm glad you guys think this is as crazy as I do because no one else there except my team thought that. People people don't believe you. They're like, what no, happened? Like, this adult was on the floor. This adult said he came back to the office drunk. You're like, so, oh, that doesn't happen. It happened. It it I, um, something you all kind of like brought up separately. Um, you guys were talking about like you do... You do what you got to do at work because work is your client work. And honestly, being a designer is to solve problems mm -hmm. creatively. You solve other people's problems, objectives, business, blah, blah, blah. But um, then we also talked about like doing our own creativity. And so I think something that's really hard to grasp when you may be like really green at this is how you separate your your authentic creative self, the creative self who has a voice, whether it's in their writing or their drawings or whatever they're doing, and the creative who is creative on demand for a company. And if you want to get into like the metaphysical capitalism <laughs> garbage we're all like figuring out on TikTok together, that's fine. But like, how do you guys view your authentic creative self and you protect the good parts about that? from like having to actually be creative every single day on demand. It's important to first set boundaries at work um, so that it's not leaking into your personal life. Make sure that you're getting time for you, whether that's taking vacation time or like doing something on the weekend, like give yourself something to look forward to. Creatively, it gets hard because like your job can really take a lot out of you creatively. We've been really busy. So like I've been working a lot and like, having to like be creative every day is draining. So I think sometimes just taking moments to do things that you wouldn't do. Like lately I've been tie dyeing. It's not graphic design. It's not something that I 
like planned on getting into, but it looked like fun and I tried it. And I think maybe experimenting in things that you haven't done before, like maybe you want to try painting or drawing or making videos, like just do that. Like whatever creativity sparks, like grab a hold of it and follow the dopamine. And when like, if you run out of dopamine and it's not fun anymore, don't, don't do it. Like your side creativity should be fun for you. It shouldn't feel like a task. Don't try to monetize it if you can help it. Like if you're creating things and people are like it and you want to sell it, sure. But like, don't be get into the mindset of what can I make that will sell? Because I feel like you're just going to burn yourself out between that and work. Mm -hmm. So you've really got to keep it separate. And it's, it's really hard to set that boundary, especially when you're first starting out. I feel like a lot of times I'm the person who does the least creative stuff outside of work. Um, just because of the type of, I don't know what I've been doing, I guess, especially now, I feel like I'm, I've been working on this really big project for the last four months. And I, by the time I'm done with work, I don't have anything outside of that. So my most creative thing lately is coloring. I'll color, I doodle, I cook a lot. Um, that has been where my creative energy has been going. And really you have to give yourself a break and you have to realize that you, you can't be on demand all day at work every single day, which is not possible. And then also try to be creative on your own every single day, but find things that you enjoy doing. And even if it's as simple as like coloring a picture, but it's like an outlet for you, then enjoy that outlet. And, and like Jessica said, like you, it, your creative stuff on the side doesn't have to always be making you money. It can be, it should be just for fun. And if you make money from it, you make money from it. But if not, it's just some fun stuff that you got to do. And, you know, maybe in a couple months when you, when things slow down or something changes at work or somewhere else, you might get another creative idea and then go with that. I mean, just, just be open to whatever's going to be out there and is going to make you happy because that's, that's really the, the best thing. And even if you're like, Oh, I'm not, I'm only creative at work for things. And my outside thing is like traveling or doing, you know, playing a sport or doing whatever it is, do it. I mean, you don't have to always be on all the time because that is when you get burnt out. And I've had times where I'm like, Oh, I'm, I was at work full time and I was, you know, working on, outside projects full time because I was like, oh, I need a new job and I was doing all these things. And, and honestly, it's not good for you. It, it took me like, it took a huge toll on me mentally and physically. And you were just all that. And you, you can't do that. There's no way, no one can be that way all the time. So, you know, just give yourself a break if you're not feeling creative and, you know, do stuff that makes you happy and, you know, go from there. Try not to feel guilty if you're if you find yourself thinking something like, "I'm a lazy piece of shit. I haven't worked on my own novel in a month." You know, like don't don't listen to that voice because like if being hard on yourself worked, it would have worked by now. So I just remind myself like, okay, but like, do you really write your best when you're like grumpy and tired, or do you write your best when you've taken a month off? and you go on a walk in the woods and feel inspired and then come back and bang out a chapter, you know? So just like, yeah, be kind to yourself. And, um, you know, if your job is supporting what you love, then, you know, it doesn't make you like a, a creative sellout or, or anything like that. And your side hustle, like you guys said, doesn't have to be monetized. I think that's like a big, like, I mean, 
breath of fresh air. I mean, I tell myself this every day in the mirror anyway, because I'm the queen of, let me start a project. Money? Like, <laughs> money, please. Like, I can't. <laughs> I always would joke with my friends, like, you leave me alone too long. I'm going to go build, like, a monetary empire. I can't help myself. But um, <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing for me, but it's just, like, a Oh, a bad habit, I was just going to say. Um, well, and it's kind of built into our society mm -hmm. with, like, capitalism. And a lot of people, the sad thing is, it's because a lot of people don't make a ton of money. So, like, get that side hustle so you can make enough money to live. Yeah. Yeah. I did a macrame side project just because I wanted, I like macrame. And my friend saw it and he was like, you should get on Etsy. You should do this. You could make this. And I was like, I don't want to. And he was a piece of shit for not wanting to do that. And it's like, I don't want to spend every second, you know, making money. Like, Jesus, capitalism, give me a break. <laughs> I saw this TikTok the other day that like made me laugh because it was like, I don't want to work a nine to five. So I work 24 seven. And she's just in this room full of like Etsy stuff she's doing. And I was like, that was too real for me. No thanks. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's been also very interesting, like doing this podcast and interviewing everybody and listening to like all these other people who like I know, but maybe I don't know like the ins and outs of like how they think about how they got there. And something that's like really interesting, especially from creatives is like protecting your own creativity and like doing work and that there's a stark difference. Every like it's a given, it seems for people our age that I've been talking to that um, they are not one in the same. But then when you talk to like our parents, let's say, because I ask my dad a ton of like, how do executives think? Because whether it's I think it's right or wrong, those are the people I have to convince for whatever I want. It's very interesting, the stark difference of like, we have like no vested identity in working, even though we chose to do creative work. Uh -huh. because we were kind of like sold like you have to do a job you should do what you love and blah 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 and so like we kind of all went on this path and like we definitely have our own philosophical troubles and thoughts with that but like at the end of the day we're like the next managerial level so to speak in our industry like we're the rising people to be the new boomers for better or worse um <laughs> so um I just find that observation in general just interesting. Like our job is not our identity. We have no company loyalty because like the jig is up. We are not convinced. And like we're looking for great people and interesting work, but it's never going to be what we would have chosen to do on our own if we had like a universal basic income. Like what would we all come up with then? Don't know. But I just find that very fascinating. So I don't know if you guys were hearing all of that, but that's what I heard. <laughs> you heard that we don't want to be the generation that dies at our desk from overwork and has a heart attack at like 35. Yeah. Like, no, not at all. Nothing in me wants to do that. Like I'm here for a good time and to pay my bills. And then I'm like, well, what are the fun things I'm doing outside of work? Like, that's that's honestly what it is or you know 
what, you know, what are the fun things that I can do at work or like connect with people and, you know, what's next? I, I mean, honestly, it's what it is. I, I love my job and I, I really like what I'm doing, but again, uh, like it, it really is like, oh, so what is, what am I going to be doing in like two years? Who knows? Who knows if something comes along and they're like, oh, you want to do this? I'm going to be like, yeah, let's do it. See what happens. And I feel like we are a lot more open to taking that risk if it comes our way. And if it's something that might, you know, match up, because again, you, you, you know, you always can go back if you really, you know, if the job really liked you, they might take you back or, you know, find something else. Who knows? Yeah. I think it's something important to think about. Like, remember that to your job, you are replaceable, but so are they, you can yeah. replace them. Like getting laid off was tough, but really like being unemployed, it, it was bad, but like I got through it. I have a much better job than I started with. So like, I think that was a really big, like I just don't have that anxiety anymore. I used to get really anxious about like what, like my anxiety would ramp up and I'd be like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Am I gonna get fired? No, well, first of all, you're being ridiculous. Like <laughs> calm down. But like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Like I would have, it would have sucked but I would have gone back to customer service. It would have been temporary. Like I would have been okay eventually. So like, I think that is something that our generations really, and the kids, the kids younger than us are really like realizing, like you don't have to put so much stock in where you work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't matter really at the end of the day, you'll, you'll get another job, you're replaceable and they're replaceable to you. I definitely feel like millennials are the, and down, you know, Zoomers and whoever comes after them, like, you know, we're, we all have a lot stronger boundaries and I feel like a lot of boomers um you know just I'm thinking about my mom's work experience my mom worked at a bank you know like corporate classic America for almost 30 years and you know sometimes when, when we talk about work and we butt heads I think some of what motivates me is like I'm not gonna you know moving forward I'm not gonna let my job treat me that way you know like if I see red flags I'm not just gonna grin and bear it and I feel like that's partially because our generation has more options, but also I also feel like our generation has sort of collectively had a conversation where we're like, maybe work-life balance is better than making six figures. And I feel like with boomers, a lot of them are like, wait, you, you guys have an option. You guys can do that. You know? And I also wonder too, if it's maybe like a case of like, I don't like that millennials get to work remotely because like I didn't have that option. Like I had to show up in the business suit five days a week, nine to five. And maybe that's why there's a little bit of like resentment or, or pushback. So like when we millennials bring up topics, like, you know, maybe a 32 hour work week isn't a bad thing. And then boomers respond with, well, nobody wants to work. I wonder if really the psychology behind that is just like, well, I had to do that. So it's not fair that you don't get to. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a huge thing to that because like, you know, until I feel like I like woke up out of the simulation about it uh, via being in a really scary pandemic for a year and a half and having no idea how it's going to carve the workforce out in the next like four years. Um, 
that was really interesting to like figure out because I felt like, especially on TikTok, I unlearned a bunch of stuff I didn't know I thought. And it's because like, you know, that's what like that's what our parents like passed down to us, whether they knew it or not. I I think it can be a very innocent like thing. And I'm actually gonna bring up like jealousy at work and like a whole other subject later, if like down the road. But like I caught myself like really early, like being like that. And like, especially through this podcast and TikTok and the pandemic, I'm just like, you know what? Good for everyone. If you're like 22 and you matched my salary somehow, applause. Good for you. Do better than me because I did my best and I feel like I I like started six years behind. Get a six-year head start. Like just go rock the shit out of everybody and like make this work because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. My my cousin is a baby designer um, and I just talked to her. She got her first like adult job right out of college. And so we had a conversation and like, I like, and it's a lot of stuff I actually learned from you, Lauren, but I was like, here's like how you negotiate a raise and here's what you put in your portfolio. And, you know, if you're going to quit and go to another job, here's how you handle like salary talks and, I was, she was like, oh my gosh, why don't they teach you this in college? And I'm like, well, we're not going to get into capitalism, but <laughs> like, I'm, I'm happy to share that information to help someone younger than me do better than I did. Because like, really, isn't that what we're supposed to do generationally? Like, yeah. we're just supposed to make it easier for the generation behind us so that they're, they don't struggle as much as we do. Whether you have kids or like you have people that you know in that generation, like it shouldn't matter. It should yeah. be easier for them. We should pass on our knowledge. Well, to now end this, to round it out, what is one piece of advice, if you can pick one, that you would give to a baby designer on, like, protecting their mental health or garnering relationships as they go into the workforce or, like, something you wish someone prepared you better for? I would say it's super important to find people to talk to at work. Mm -hmm. It's it's really nice in a, if you're if you're in a creative team and you have other creatives because they'll just like get you like even if you don't have a lot in common per se like you you have that one thing in common and it's fun to kind of have like someone to bitch to sometimes you need that outlet and this person is completely set up they're in the exact same situation as you are so they understand completely like you can talk to your friends about it but they might not get exactly all the little like of dealing with certain people and the job and all that. So I think it's really important to find, you know, someone you can kind of talk to at work. It's nice if you can find a mentor, but it's not always possible. Mm -hmm. And like, like keep those, like keep those creative friends. Like I value guys so much and I don't think I like, I'm in a really good job right now. I feel confident about my work. I feel like I have, like good work. I'm proud of the work I do. And I feel like a big part of that is because like we can show each other things and we're very like constructive with feedback. Like, Hey, even for personal projects, it's like, Hey, I'm working on this. What do you guys think? Like, it's just nice to have those people and you get, you get experiences that you don't have or like how to deal with things, you know, like, I don't know how to approach this. You've done this. Can you give me feedback? And it's really just like so valuable. It's so valuable. 
when you're navigating through things because like creatives in our jobs, like it's different than other jobs. It just is. And there's going to be things that you're going to have to do that like your friend that's in accounting doesn't have to deal with, or your friend that's in HR doesn't have to deal with. So it's nice to have people that you can kind of relate to in that way and you can get advice or even just bitch to. Sometimes you just need to bitch. You know what the answer is and you don't want to do it. You just want to complain about it. And it's really just important, I think, for mental health to have that and make sure you're taking care of your mental health. It's so easy to get lost in your job. Don't get wrapped up in your job. Do yeah. it. You go in, you start, start, said like work late sometimes, not all the time, set boundaries and mm-hmm. make sure that you're taking care of, do things you enjoy outside of work. Sometimes you don't want to just go do it. Go sit with your friend, even if you're just chatting on Zoom or something. I like that. I would say definitely agree with like, get your work person or people and keep, keep them close and, you know, hold on to them. I would say for me personally, my biggest piece of advice that I had for, for like a young Carissa or, you know, like young designers is I think the most important thing you can do for yourself at the start of your career is to have, to keep looking until you find good managers or good creative managers, because I feel like I didn't have a good creative mentor at work for a really long time. And I struggled and I had to become my own creative mentor or my this peer group that I have here, that is where I had to get that. And it, it took me a little longer. It did to like get to the point where I was like, Oh, and like realize all these things that your, your creative manager is supposed to help you with. So if that, if there's any piece of advice, work at a company that has that type of structure that has it in place where like your, their goal and they're there to help you grow as a designer or as a creative because it's 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 such a key thing that i found lacking for when i started out that by the time i had a manager that would consider good managers i was kind of too i was past that a little bit and it was a struggle to be like oh i've been doing this for myself for six years and now your job is to also do this and it's like Ugh. so just you know even if it means like, oh, I worked at this job for six months and I was like, they didn't have the manager I needed. Just, just keep keep going until you get that or work as hard as you can to find it outside because you you need that. You need that person or those people who are going to be who are going to push you because it is hard. It's hard to motivate yourself and you need that person that's like helping you along and being like, oh, did you realize this? Or even if they just send you like little articles like, oh, I came across this and I realized this would connect with you like those type of relationships are so important in the earlier on you build those, the better off you're going to be. You're going to be way ahead of, I know where I am and I know, you know, other, everyone else kind of had that too. It took them a long time to get that. And then when they did, they were like, Oh, this is what this relationship's supposed to be like. And it was just eye opening to, to get that. So just, just look for it. And at the beginning, more important for sure. I guess I have two things like first of all like what you guys said about like you know find your people at your job because I've had jobs that like you know especially in college like you know starting out customer service jobs when I had people there that I could like hang out with it made it like tolerable where it was like all right we're just two soldiers in the battlefield and we're gonna get through this but if you have like no one that you connect to it feels so isolating because then it's it's like you versus everybody so like definitely find your people and secondly 
Um, and I say this, you know, like this is a very much like do what I do, not what I say. Cause like I struggle with this as well. Um, but uh, like at the end of the day, like we are not heart surgeons. If someone makes a mistake, no one's life is on the line, you know, but sometimes it very much feels like that. Like, oh my God, this is going to get late. So-and-so is going to get mad. So-and-so is going to react negatively. But like at the end of the day, like nothing that we do is like an emergency that warrants like us putting all that pressure on ourselves. And again, like I put that pressure on myself. So, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that, but like, um, yeah, like if you can just kind of like check in with yourself, especially when you're first starting out and just remind yourself, like, like when you have those thoughts, like, oh my God, like I'm the new person and I made a mistake and everyone's going to think I'm stupid. Like, yeah, it's embarrassing sometimes and it sucks, but like, you're not going to literally kill someone over it. It's it, you take the punch and you roll with it and you move on. And if you can get in the habit of just taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture, it just really takes the stress off and it doesn't feel so catastrophizing. Nothing we do is an emergency. You don't need to take the call while you're driving. You don't need to rush home to upload the file. Nothing we do is an emergency. Yeah. It's really important, especially if you work in a place where, with bad boundaries, because they'll make it feel like, oh, yeah, someone's going to die. No, no, <laughs> no one's going to die. No I might one? kill you if you don't stop. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but then we don't have to deal with you. So. Yeah. So yeah. really, I'm doing everyone a favor. Win win. I think I'm going to call Jessica for the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being on my podcast, sharing all of your wisdom and uh, validating that uh, th the bad place is real and it is as crazy as I've been telling people. <laughs> but we made it out. We made it out of the bad place. We, got out. we did. It honestly made every other job feel like not that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and honestly, like if I had to go through that to find like this support team, mm -hmm. like we have all gotten so much farther, so much faster because of all the things we've taught each other through our own experiences. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, for anyone who's listened to the like creative agency episode, like that was all Jessica's knowledge that I just <laughs> embellished on. Like. <laughs> I wouldn't have even begun anywhere if Jessica was like, you know that there's like people who do this real casually. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's real? <laughs> That's not even fair. You just like <laughs> casually gave that to me. So I like to keep it casual. <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> so Jessica, this is partially all your fault that I'm like this. Yes, I've I've corrupted. I've corrupted. influenced many, many a, <clears throat> a person. <laughs> yeah. you, told us, you told me, like, don't take this so seriously. It's just a job. You're like, and then also make it gaudier. Like, that That was also the best advice when we worked together. Yeah. You're like, it's too pretty. You're like, it's too pretty. You can't do that. They not, they're not going to like it. So I listened to you. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to throw some stuff on here. And they're like, we love it. <laughs> You knew. Know your audience. <laughs> know yes. your audience. Best advice. 
Oh, all right. Well, with that, we can conclude this episode for now. So I'm going to stop recording our meeting. <laughs> <laughs>